They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. Alrighty, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends and colleagues, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome down to Security Rabbit Hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. I am Raf. Uh, actually, you know what? I can't do this because normally it's that's James, but that's James and that's also James. So uh, this is the James, James, and Raf podcast, apparently. Um, I, I don't know where to go with this. It should make it but exciting. Gonna- like, you just need to make sure you have one of us on each side of you so you're in the middle. <laughs> I don't want to be in the middle because then I'm just going to be doing this the entire time. And then I, I feel like a translator between the Jameses and that's not cool. All right. I look um, the wrong way for this. Yeah. This must be, this, this might be, uh, this might, this is the second time we've had you on the show wicket, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So it's, it's been a minute since the last time uh, you're still talking. We're still going to still going to talk about AppSec because that's what, that's still what's relevant. Um, how, how, how is that? How is that still a thing? I don't know. I, are we done with that because now? no, we can't be done with that because we haven't figured it out yet. And as long as we've yeah. talked about it, right, we, we still can't test ourselves secure. Magical, wishful thinking and beans still don't make security. Uh, you can't force developers to do that. Do it right. Uh, you can't train them to do it right. Whatever. All right. So, and if we fix it, what would we do? I I could think of like seven hundred <laughs> things. I'd rather Mar- do. Margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be one of them. That is a perfectly valid thing to add, to go do next. One hundred percent. I'm with you. All right. I love, so, the, I love the idea that if we fixed it, we'd all of a sudden all just be millionaires and could just go off and just drink margaritas all day. Let's I, solve I didn't that. Say millionaires, but I just figured we could have margaritas at least celebrate. <laughs> at least something. Celebrate right? things. All right, all right w- w- Wicket. What are you doing now? Give us give us a little okay, bit yeah. for people that uh, might not know who you are. Yeah, so uh, I think last time I was uh, on the show, I was over at uh, Signal Sciences, uh, if, I, if I remember right. Um, that was, and then, yep. Uh, yep, and now I'm over uh, at Dry Run Security, uh, just uh, launching the company, uh, getting started. Um, we, are a, we are a security uh, tool, or a security testing tool for developers built right <laughs> into how developers work to help them uh, and kind of bridge the gap that... Um, that, that you know, security is kind of left in, in its wake. Uh, I'm joined with Ken Johnson. He uh, used to run the internal security over at GitHub. Uh, he's also you know re- really well known at like secure code reviews in the AppSec uh, AppSec space. CK right. Tricky, if you're going by his handle. CK yeah. Tricky, that's right. And because because we're old enough that some of us only have uh, know each other by our handles. Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, yeah, I, I actually. Probably a lot of people that I would consider like friends, like people that I know, I probably know them either by their last name or their handle. And some of us don't even remember their first names anymore because we don't call each other that. It's just kind yeah. of funny. It's a, it's a, so, all right. Look, I, I think the premise of this one is I, we've, we've been talking about like the AppSec thing for forever and then some. 
the hell? Why haven't we? Why haven't we? We said this off camera, but why haven't we solved this? Okay, is, I'll take that. either. James can take first, this first one. James, I don't first care. James on this one. Uh, well, I, I mean, look, we we have a uh, uh, a situation where like development is continuing to change, right? Like we have, we're, we're, and, and I think the application. It's not even just like why haven't we solved it? Because I think pieces of application security have kind of fallen off and been a little bit, I've gotten easier and gotten better. Um, but like our reliance and move to the application is like uh, the, kind of the main delivery mechanism and how we're like kind of moving to this microservice architecture and, and, you know, doing this out of many organizations. I think like, even though AppSec has been really important over the last 20 years, I bet the next five, 10, 15, 20 years is going to be even more important in, in AppSec and like uh, you know, being a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would say, why haven't we solved it? Because we don't want to solve it. That's why we haven't solved it. Because <laughs> we keep making it- tons of money off of the AppSec industry. Why would we solve the problem? I mean, here's the thing, right? We still have AppSec as a separate thing. As much as we keep saying we're shifting it in and we're embedding it in, now we have product security and DevSecOps, we are still not yeah. requiring developers to do secure development. We are treating it as, here's some things to do, but it's really still security's problem. And until we solve that, we will have AppSec forever as a, we do the testing, we do the triaging, we do all this stuff when we really yeah. need to get to the point to, to sit down and say, I'm not hiring a developer unless that developer has experience doing secure coding. They understand security fundamentals. They know that's until we get there, we are not solving the problem. We'll solve little pieces. You know, we can solve small things around CSRF, right? Like that's not really a huge problem. Browsers kind of yeah. fix that. Some of that stuff done by default, but there's a lot of stuff we won't solve until we actually get developers doing stuff. Wicked. So, uh, uh, yes. For you. Yeah. Quick question for you before you, before you dive, because I, I know you've got an answer there, but quick question for you. Um, you mentioned at the very beginning of your, of your thing, uh, the last thing you said was some of the things have sort of moved in or gone away. Um, I was promised back in 2007, 2008. That eventually, the different app, the different development frameworks would solve uh, cross-site scripting, XSRF, yeah. SQLI, and that wouldn't be a yeah. problem anymore. It would just be done. Now we figured out how to uh, make buffer overflows. I mean, I think they're still a thing, sort of, but they're not a prevalent. Like when I wrote NCC. Print, printf was a big deal. And then we got sprintf and then we got like all, then we've created languages that don't allow you to do that at all anymore, right? It's, you, you, you can't, um, like it does that, that, that checking that bounds correction for you. I was promised this would be more broad. Why isn't it more broad? Well, I think the future is here. It's just not ubiquitous yet. Um, and so, uh, we see like certain shops, like, cross-site scripting is not a thing anymore, right? But they are still seeing other types of, uh, you know, problems like authorization stuff kind of, you know, bites, uh, bites them, uh, business logic uh, flaws and other type of stuff. But, you know, as, as we were getting started, Ken and I started going, calling our friends and be like, all right, like, what, what are the main problems that people want to solve? Because we have ideas, there's some ideas from like what, what he's doing over GitHub. I have some ideas of what I've been seeing, but, um, you know, some of the, some of the folks I talked to, um, who are, you know, big in the OWASP community, they're like, yeah, we, we, we still test for cross-site scripting all the time or these injection to style attacks, but because of the language framework combos that they're using and how their shop is architected, 
they haven't seen that for like three, three and a half years, but they're seeing like off problems a lot. And so it's, I think the, the, the landscape is changing for uh, people that are adopting some of the newer paradigms and the newer frameworks. Uh, and I think we are seeing some of those kind of fall off, but, um, but because of the new reliance on applications and like the continued move. And I, I do, I, I, I kind of thought James, what you said was, was right on with like kind of the, the Conway's law situation where we've organized AppSec to be a certain way. And so now like it's come true that like, that's our place in the organization and that's how we solve security problems through this kind of, you know, throw it over the wall um, mechanism still. And so, yeah, we're, we're still seeing that, that kind of come out. It's just, it's coming out in a different way in 2023 than it did in, I can't remember which said 2007 or 2010 or, you know, just like over the last decade, it's just, uh, it has changed, but it's not solved. Well, I think too, it's a, on the platforming side, Raph, you know, one thing you have to keep in mind is that there are a number of organizations and it's not a small number that are still using the old versions of those platforms out there, right? So .NET made huge bounds, right? You go from .NET 4.5.1 to 4.5.2, there's a big difference security default wise, even from like XXE issues, they solve it. It's default safe in 4.5.2, it's not in 4.5.1. These all expired. I mean, these are end of life, but how many organizations are still running those versions, right? And so when you talk about cross-site scripting, how many people haven't switched to the safer front ends like React and Vue and some of these that do cross-site scripting by default? That's where we still run into, yes, going forward, when you get new development, you tend to have more secure apps. If I go test an app and I say, oh, wow, this has got a React front end, and it's got this, I'm probably not spending a lot of time looking for cross-site scripting or CSRF or certain flaws like that based on what I see from the platform versus, oh, wow, this thing's still written in an old version of PHP that you know is using Bootstrap and some other stuff, but it doesn't have any of those new platforms on there. It, right, it's that issue of we got to get people to adapt those prop those platforms before that really starts to go away. And the bigger the organization, the slower they are typically at doing that. And let's always remember that there is still edge cases that every one of those can still be vulnerable to anything you just mentioned. Right, I can do React and I can be cross site scripting in React. I can do .NET the latest versions and be vulnerable to XXE if I go in and do a certain thing. Right, like they have enough rope to hang yourself with. But by default, if you do things the way you should, then you should be fine. It's a matter of the developers know their platform and how they should be using it. I mean, that's really the big key differentiator, but we are, I mean, we are, there's a lot of things that are, I won't say solved, but if you use the right platform, there's a very low chance you're getting hit with SQL injection, cross-site scripting, cross-site request forgery. Like a lot of these things are being handled. It, like James said, a lot of it now is like authentication, authorization. Like those are the big things that we're starting to see across those. All right. But there is the wild card, James, of the new AI stuff that we've been teaching everybody. Hey, don't use eval, right? You know, but now like that's all in the sample code. So theoretically, we're, we're, we're going to see where that, that comes back. So, you know, the oldies may come back. <laughs> what yeah. was old will be new again. I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. I, I say this all the time with speakers, right? Like we start off with the boom box on our shoulder and then we went, yeah. you know, to the, the headphones, to the tiny little earbuds. And now we're back to the big headphones. And I, I said, we're going to be yeah. back to the the boom box, but I literally saw a guy standing on the corner by the streetlight and he was holding like a little Bluetooth speaker next to him. So we're, we're almost back. We're almost oh, yeah. back to people walking around with the giant boom box on their shoulder. 
Hey, uh, that's interesting. So as we start to eliminate certain classes uh, of those uh, types of vulnerabilities that frameworks can can remove, uh, Wicket, you were talking about authorization uh, issues. Uh, tell me more about that because that, that makes me curious. Yeah, um, and, and this is a problem a lot of uh, places face where like they're, maybe you're building out a multi-tenant SaaS uh, uh, architecture or, or something that's like, well, you, you make a change here. You want to make sure you don't have data leakage across, or like how you're applying your how, how you're applying uh, uh, auth in that. And that's that's the sort of stuff that really is helpful for developers to get an idea of like the ramifications of the changes they're making. Like, are are we touching any like sensitive code paths? Are we are adding a bunch of new routes? Are we changing? Like, like there's a there's a I believe that there's a new way of thinking about this where you kind of look at the context of of the change, like like doing. I'm I, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to end up calling it this or what I think it's called, but maybe contextual security analysis where you're doing like figuring out what security context a developer is living in at any point and how their changes look um, as they're making those changes. So I feel like that's, uh, you know, those, those type of things can really help give clues to developers. Cause I, I have this really crazy belief uh, or well, maybe, maybe not crazy in every, uh, in every uh, group, but I believe that developers really care about security. And we've given them a bunch of weird paths and we sort of like give them these tools that don't make any sense. And we like, you know, pump out a million JIRA tickets to them. Right. Um, but if we can give them uh, actual information right as they're writing code, when they're doing it and uh, not, you know, not full of a, a bunch of false positives and, and like in the languages that they care about and, and really fast, like, I think that makes a difference. Like that's, that is a, a move forward that, that developers, uh, the developers need. Um, okay. So I kind of, I kind of tr- just, you know, went through a, a couple of topics there at once. Sorry. No, that's all right. I, I'm the way we, James, I think this uh, journey back to the way you say kind of, we, we, we went from boom box and we're coming back to that ages ago. Security was something you did at, at the end. Right, it was, it was like a, it was a QA function. Does it does it not have security bugs? Which is the craziest question you could possibly ask. Like, show me that doesn't this, this doesn't have any security bugs? Like, okay, look, it has no security bugs. <laughs> Yay! Um, but then we tried all kinds of shift left, shift right, shift up, shift down, double shift, triple shift. Uh, you know, uh, shift in, shift out, DevSecOps, DevOps, Sec, DevOps, Sec, DevSec, whatever. Like, we, we've created 74,000 new ways of saying, let's blend security into the thing, and then proceeded not to blend security into the thing, but we took it. We basically said, hey, look, security is oil, is oil to developers water. You know what we really need to do? We need to put them in the same glass and blend them really fast. That'll solve it. Um, and, and this is what we have today. I think we have the classic problem for me is sort of where this all originated is you have security folks who really weren't developers. Now I know this has changed over time, right? I was not a developer. I'm awful at writing code. I'm going to admit that right now. And I've done it before. I'm terrible at it, but I learned back in college, which arguably was a long time ago, how to read about 17 or 18 different programming languages, structure, form, 
you know, indentation, semicolons, right? Like all the different ways of parentheses and, and braces and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I learned how to like spot, oh, like that's, that's, that's bad. But if somebody said, fine, fix it, I'd be like, that, that's not me. Like I, I, I just point out the flaw. I can't fix it. Have we gotten better, not the developer side, but on the security team side, have we gotten better at bringing those who actually understand the problem into the circle of trust that can then explain why it's a problem to those that write code? I, I mean, there's definitely been a change, right? When I first got into AppSec a long time ago, right, I was one of the few that I knew that actually had development experience. I mean, I come from a developer background and that, you know, was a problem, right? I mean, remember all the years of people standing on stage saying how developers' babies are ugly and their code sucks and all that stuff. It's no wonder there is that oil and water mixture right there because if I constantly tell you whatever you do is horrible, I'm not going to want to work with you. Now, we are seeing a lot more AppSec and ProductSec. Those type of roles are being filled by people with deaf backgrounds, which helps, right? Because now I can actually talk to you. I know what you're going through. I can have some empathy of what's happening there. I get what I'm saying. And I'm not just, I used to hate it when somebody, you know, they give a, a pen test report and they'd be like, and, you know, this should take like, you know, an hour to fix. Dude, don't tell them how much, how long that's going to take to fix. You don't know their code base. You know, like we start making assumptions and we start building into that stuff to, to do that. I think on the buzzword side, though, that, that's buzzword bingo to sell vendor tools. That's it. I mean, everything that we went around to when you talk about going from we used to test, right? We tossed ourselves secure. But even during that time, we had a secure SDLC. Microsoft had, has had one out there forever, right? Now spin it all the way around to shift left, shift right, up, down and smart. And all they are, DevSecOps, every single one of those, go back and lay it over the SDLC, the secure SDLC from Microsoft. And they're almost identical still. Sure, we took it into the infinity symbol instead of a straight line because, yeah, we're doing odd jaw and we're doing a, but we're doing the same thing. It's saying, hey, we need to do security while we're designing. We need to do security when we're testing. We need to do security while we're actually developing. We need to have training that has been there for the last 15 years. But we keep changing the name because we have to resell our tool. So we're like, oh, well, we do DevSecOps or we do this. It, yeah. it, it's to get the selling out there. It's not really, it hasn't changed what we do at all. It did focus a little bit saying, wow, we really can't wait till the end of test to just find security. Like we got to find a way to build this in. But the, the overall process of what we're doing from a security standpoint, in my mind, hasn't really changed that much. Like, we're still doing those same things. You should be doing your threat yeah. model. And you should be doing that stuff. How we do it may be a little bit different, but we're still doing all We're still doing pen testing. We're still doing all that stuff. Yeah, I felt like the the move for, like, DevSecOps, like, um, it, it really, much much like DevOps. Okay, so I, I Agile uh, was you, you could make a really strong argument for like agile moving to operations is the DevOps. That's that's the conversion of DevOps, right? It's like, hey, we we should codify our infrastructure, you know, you know, radical idea. Um, and then back back when they get the the turn of DevOps, like it meant um, it meant Chef or Puppet, something like that, right? Like that's what you you did DevOps because you did Chef and Puppet. And then maybe now you're SRE because you're Kubernetes or you're cloud native or whatever, you're maybe DevOps somehow also equates to that or who knows, right? Observability tooling. Security uh, or DevSecOps, like that banner, I think it kind of got like taken over by like the S-bomb stuff. Like, okay, we're going to like 
just tell you all the component junk that you put in your application. And that's enough to like, that's going to move it, move it down the road. And that sort of was the tool, tool of choice for um, kind of furthering DevSecOps. But I still, I, I still uh, believe in like the DevOps mission of like saying like, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're creating, you know, faster feedback loops. It's a, it's a, you know, a culture thing. It's we're building automation and measurement and sharing all that stuff. Like the, the three ways of, you know, uh, of how people think about DevOps. And I think extending that to security is still a really valid and important thing. We just have to get off that idea of like, it's this, this shifting business and, and other stuff, but like, okay, what are the cultural changes? Because the problem is there. You have, for every hundred engineers you have, you got, for every hundred developers you have, you have 10 operations persons, you have one people, they have one security person. Like that ratio generally holds. And so that's problematic, right? That means you, you can't like undo that in any way other than like trying to, uh, like have cultural shift, you know, automation changes, the way people think about how they, how they measure and empower and, and kind of deal with people. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that we kind of always have these new banners that we kind of, you know, run out there to, to, to rally behind. But. I, I'm going to tell you guys, I, James, my, my co-host James already knows how much I love this, but All right. Wicked, I, I hate DevSecOps. I hate the idea of taking something that was, essentially a good idea devops and going ooh, 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 security wants to be included make it DevSecOps. Yeah. well then then became like is it a sec devops or is it devops sec i'm like it's none of those you're all idiots um you because the minute start, uh, the minute you start calling security out explicitly it becomes its own thing it's back to like the oil and water mixture stops mixing and you're back to like DevSecOps. like yeah so I I tend to agree with you on that, um, but then I also uh, I, I listen. Patrick Dubois, he's the guy who coined the coined the term uh, DevOps, and yep. um, he he gave a really great talk uh, here in Austin or my my hometown, uh, like four years ago, I think. Um, I could probably track that down, but there was a lot of there's been a lot of debate. Like, should we allow this DevSecOps thing to to happen, or should we like you know support it or not? And and he really said, you know, people are, there's all these names. Like he, he kind of has a slide that like pops out like 30 different names that people around the globe have called DevOps in some instantiation, Dev DBA Ops, Dev Biz Ops, like uh, Dev Ops, DevOps Sec, uh, uh, Rugged DevOps, which I, I kind of liked. But like, I think like there's all these, these, uh, these ways that people have approached it. And he was like, you know what? It's okay. Like people are trying to find a way to work better. People are trying to find a way to, to do better. Now, if, if you kind of rub off all the, the vendory stuff, but like if organizations are really trying to apply some of those principles that we learned in lean in the eighties, you know, and then, and then, and like that we learned in, in uh, with agile, you know, uh, and trying to change the way we're doing like our, our day-to-day jobs and like the way we're changing knowledge work, you know, there's going to be good and bad, right? And like some of these things are just going to, fall like some of the bad stuff hopefully will just fall off and we'll continue to keep on the good stuff but um yeah i i i struggle with this too i sometimes get hung up on the names uh, security does seem to spoil everything uh, in a lot of ways but but i i don't know i'm an optimistic heart so i kind of just i want people to like to continue that path forward trying to trying to move out that devops that that message you know even if they want to call it something different for a time you know, maybe maybe they'll 
I, I think the issue there, though, because I, you know, I'm with I get hung up on names too. Like, you know, go back and listen to episodes on Security Researcher. Uh, <laughs> I've definitely got hung up on that for the longest time. And you know, I mean, at some point, names do matter. I think the problem is when you yeah. start all of a sudden having two things that are named differently, but really are the same thing, right? So when you've got DevOps and DevSecOps or SecDev or whatever the hell we call it, like if you've yeah. got both of those running. Right. The idea behind both of those is around building automation into your pipelines. So that way, you know, you're not hand manual do anything. It's, hey, we, we get this. So now all of a sudden I've got a DevOps team that is going in and building all this automation and whatever CI, CD I've got going on. And they they know how they're doing it. And now instead of saying, OK, let's take these security pieces and ask the DevOps team, like, hey, how should we implement this? Instead, we say, oh, well, we'll create a separate DevOps team for yeah, security yeah. tools. Yeah, yeah. It will implement, and so we're back to that silo, like you were saying, Raph. We're back to that separation again, where it's something different. This was my complaint about having a secure SDLC and an SDLC, right? Like as soon as I put secure on it, well, wait, that's the security team's version of the SDLC. Like, what if we just said all that was part of an SDLC? Like, if you build, you have to build to this, then it would be there. So as we start separating those out, we then run that risk of we haven't merged it back in. You know, and I think that's where that risk and just to add on the fact that nobody knows what DevSecOps is, because if yeah. you ask one person, they're saying, oh, well, that's how I implement SCA and SAS and DAS into my pipeline. And then you'll have other people say, no, that's not it. This is it's this whole other thing. So, I mean, we, we can't even define it, but we know we're doing something right. It's just it's more smoke yeah. out there in the whole thing. Like, let's get some clarity and figure out, like, let's actually do more with less instead of less with more. I have a theory. We'll see if it comes true that in the next five years, all that stuff will collapse down to just back to DevOps. Like people say, oh, we were we were just doing DevOps all along. I, I hope yeah. so. I hope you're correct. <laughs> I really, I we'll really hope you're correct. But I, I suspect that ego won't allow it, um, as yeah, has maybe. been the case for the entire time I've been in this industry. Uh, it just ego ruins everything. Um, well, that's been, you know, I mean, Raph, I mean, you know, even when the testing secure, right? Oh, you had to be a security no. expert to do any type of security testing. I mean, I tell people all the time, like QA can do the majority of what a lot of the security testing is that your app team is doing. They we, they don't have to be using burp. They don't have to be using whatever, but you can have them do authorization tests or authentication tests or even cross-site script and like simple tests. They can do yeah. a huge portion of that. But how long have we said as an industry, oh, no, no, you have to be a security person to be able to test that. Even when we had SaaS way back, like Veracode and White Hat, before Contrast came out and was the developer friendly, right? It was, oh, you have to be a security expert to look at that, uh, you know, Fortify output. Really? Developers sit and spend their entire day in code and you're telling me they can't interpret the output from code? Yeah. Like, come on, right? I, but I've definitely handed off stuff to developers, like, you know, and, and where I was like, these are not real findings. They were fake. They did not work out. Like, you know, it's like, and, and like, there's just a hot mess, right? Um, makes you feel bad, right? It makes you feel like this, this developer who I know is really like smart and like, and then like gave me some time and I ran the, the fortifier or the whatever, right? Uh, uh, it's like, I gave them a bunch of junk and a bunch of like, you know, stuff that didn't really make any sense. Um, yeah. I, I I miss the days when it was um, the, the 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 surface you know the 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 universe of of bad things that we could do to software is relatively limited. Um, 
because it has it has not gotten smaller, right? It's 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 exploded, and I'm not even bringing this whole S bomb uh, thing into the picture because that just makes it. When you were just worried about your MySpace page, things was sim- were simpler. <laughs> Listen, when when all I had to do was make sure that they did like they didn't put critical things in the URI query stem. They weren't passing passwords. Like HTTPS was turned on. Like SQL injection and cross site scripting were relatively you know in check. Life was good, and that was hard, but life was good. Um, now there's. And with so much uh, of the code that we that's out there today, moving into uh, non-human uses, right? API to API, right? Uh, it, I would argue that that from a security practitioner perspective, that makes your life that much more difficult because now you're going, well, hold on, uh, wh- where do I point my testing tool at? How do I do this? Right? Where's the where's the UI? Where's the interface? Like there isn't one, um, and and I think, but that's that's. I hesitate to say that that's that's not new, but it's not new. It's been around a while. It's just now more prevalent, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all this different type of development, all this different type of dynamic uh, applications. And I, in uh, at some point, we got to acknowledge the fact that the browser was never allowed, uh, never designed to do this. Right? This is the browser was not designed to be session aware. And I kind of wish that from a web application perspective, we just figure out what the, what the next thing is so that we can stop making just horrible, horribly complex workarounds for something that to make some, a browser do something it wasn't inherently meant to do. Am I crazy? I think, you know, big thing that we see, right, is that reliance on the browser to fix problems. You know, we, we went down that route. It didn't work. You look at the XSS auditor and Chrome, you know, Firefox had it too for a little while, horrible, right? They finally got rid of it. You know, and when we start going more API driven, I, I think there's pros and cons to it. From a testing point, yes, my typical DAS tools aren't not going to work very well at all because they can't, there's nothing to crawl. But it's just API right. calls, which means my unit testing and all the stuff that I build in house should actually work pretty well, right? We can automate all of that. It's just a matter of, hey, you know, we actually need to know we need to go automate that stuff. So I think there's, you know, a lot of positive around some of that switch. It does open us up to authentication authorization issues, which get a little bit hairier, but we can address, you know, so I I, I think there's positive. Also, I would like to point out, I mean, go look at any data breach report. There is a crap ton of vulnerabilities. How many are actually being used in any of these breaches? Still what? SQL injection and credential stuffing are two biggest Right. I mean, we're not seeing all these other cross-site request forwarder is not huge on my list of being breached within my organization. Not because I don't have it. It's just not a typical attack vector to get in. We can show all kinds of cool things in pen tests, but how often are we actually seeing that as the vector that somebody used? So, you know, we have that a little bit, you know, go back to the context base, you know, what's yeah. really my risk here? Are we really using cross-site scripting to get in or you know, are, are people using this other stuff and cross-site scripting is a novelty on a pen test or, you know, in a capture the flag contest? Guys, we could break this down for me because I, I know there's a bunch of folks that listen that are uh, <laughs> that are probably at my technical level, right? That's at this point. Um, what is the, what is the, uh, 
what is the core of the challenge right now with respect to developing more secure, I'm going to say secure, more secure applications? Like where is the challenge lie? What is the, 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 the fundamental basic problem? And you're asking like what what are people uh, yeah give me give me the give me the executive overview like like we still got apps being you know we still got a bunch of different types of vulnerabilities like what what is this what is the root of all like how do you how do you look at this what's the problem and why does it exist from a real high level okay yeah so I think um, a, a good way to think about this is like we have our we have our we had our monoliths. Now we've decomposed that and we've microserviced them and we've, you know, serverless them or, you know, however, like we've, we've broken these, these things up. We're, we're making everything um, as like these uh, applications and third party API calls, like, uh, like the smarter James said. And I think that this is a, this is a testimony to uh, the fact that like the application service is just going to be, you know, more, more and more important. We have trust boundaries extending everywhere uh, for how we're, we're delivering. Uh, you already mentioned a lot of the really good points that I totally agree with uh, earlier. It's like our old testing methods just aren't going to work because like you, you're not just spinning up the monolith, but your app, like what is your application? Like your application is it's in, in usage, pulling in all this third party stuff and the stuff that you've written and all your other microservices and being able to test at, at that, that point. Um, we, you know, when we see people that are kind of going down that path, it's like, there has to be a different way to, um, to understand your, you know, your application makeup, uh, the types of attacks that you see more often, the auth stuff we were, we were discussing earlier and some of those other, other types of attack, uh, uh, vectors. Um, and, and then really understanding that hundred to 10 to one, you know, people yeah. ratio like like you, you we have to like shift to say all right like we are not going to we don't have enough people in our industry anyways to hire like you couldn't you couldn't just say well Fair. we're just going to go hire somebody to to fix the problem so uh and i um i'm not even sure if like secure code training is the right answer like i mean we tr- we've tried all these like you know mechanisms for like how we're going to make this this work um and it, maybe it can be part of the answer, but I believe that like putting, um, you know, actual uh, real information in front of the developers, like the smart people who are you know writing and building and running your application. And just like we said, hey, it's not that like DevOps is like a DevOps team or like we take the sysadmins and now they're DevOps. It's like you write it, you run it, you support it, like you're... you're like we build all that functionality into like the value stream for like whatever that piece is in the organization and like security comes and becomes another you know factor of that. So, uh, so, yeah. So the, 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 the place where I think that broke down for me many years ago when I was a part of a, a, a team that arguably kept pointing at the problem without really solving it was that even if I could make one group in an enterprise, right? Cause now, applications as you said is particularly with like microservices and such applications aren't just a single application anymore it's it's a bunch of different components working together sharing data with third parties amongst themselves you pull data here you move it over here you do something do it you send it over there that thing sends it back this way and and this happens all the time now i could get and work with 
a, a, a percentage or a portion of teams to like, hey, this component does well. Except for that, this one over here sends it data or interacts with it and can make this one do something it's not supposed to because these people have no concept of security. And how do you then create um, this, this, this software component, this API endpoint, this microservice, this whatever that is, and I think the answer is in the wording, resilient to what other pieces can kind of throw at it, right? You've got to start thinking about not just what you're doing, but what others could possibly do, how they could possibly interact. And that's like, that's a big headspace. Yeah. And you start, you start thinking about like, all right, what are my, what are the functions in my app that are, that I, I want to like be aware of when like changes get made to them. I want to be aware of like when new routes are added, when like, you know, when, when like, um, like what certain part of my code path, like I uh, have a, a friend who's working on like just determining like in like a, even in a monolith state, like in a in like code paths, like who, which, which part of this code is owned by who, right? Um, how Good brittle luck. is the code? Yeah. How br- yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a challenge. Like it, it's um, at a lot of organizations to figure that, that question out. And so, um, yeah, I think you got it. You have to take a step back and start thinking like, when are the moments if, if we need to, Oh, kind of, I'm sorry. My, Screens are going on. Uh, whenever, whenever we have this, um, whenever we have that 110 one problem, and let's say you want that one to actually be involved, like, like, uh, like my co-founder Ken came out of GitHub, right? And so, thousand pull requests coming in a day, five people on the uh, security team, or some some small number of people on the security team. What are they going to look at, right? They're going to look at stuff that's changing the way auth works, the way the stuff is like changing the way that, uh, you know, certain functions are, are being, you know, interacted with. And they have like key things that context clues that they can sort of say, oh, hey, this is the kind of thing that we should jump in, right? And like, that's when you want to bring security in on it. Some of the other stuff, lower risk, uh, you can kind of get get an idea that, okay, those those can just go through the normal, normal pipeline uh, testing and, and be okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you you run into the situation, especially as you start breaking things into smaller pieces, right? Oh, I'm creating an API. Well, that changes the risk that I have. Am I concerned about cross-site scripting with an API? No, because I'm not the browser, right? The client, whoever receives my data is, as long as I set my headers to say, hey, this is JSON or this is XML, whatever, right? Like that, it's not going to trigger. That responsibility moved over, right? So it's understanding what is my piece responsible for. You send me data. Okay. I have to understand what I'm doing with that data. Do I send it to a database? Make sure I have SQL injection covered. Do I make an HTTP request on the backside? Make sure I have server-side requests already covered, right? Like what can I do with the data that comes in? And then how do I package that to send it out? And then whoever gets that, it's now their job, like to understand how they're receiving data and then how they should handle it. But that opens it up Right. It makes it a lot more difficult because if I'm opening an API and that's my data, but then some other client is pulling it through their system and displaying it in a very haphazardous way. Right. Like now I can't control that. You called an API. I can't do whatever you want with it. You can make the most insecure application known to man. I can't stop that. As long as you send me credentials to say, yes, I have access to your API. Once it's out, it's out. Right. So that that becomes a whole bigger issue of, listen, I did what I was supposed to do here. 
I can't control what the consumer over there did with that data. Right now, I and mean, we get into like integration testing and testing across all the different pieces. But we had this problem even before APIs were a big thing. I mean, I remember working on apps where I, I think MySpace was one that actually had this problem, right, where you could input whatever garbage you wanted into the mobile app and then go read it on the web app. And it didn't do any output encoding. So you could input cross-site scripting on the mobile and it would actually reflect out on the web. And I actually worked at another company with the same thing. The web guy did a great job doing input validation. The mobile people were like, that's not a problem for us. So they'd take whatever, and then the web person would take it from the database and throw it out, and all of a sudden he's getting cross-site scripted. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, the mobile doesn't care, right? So, But it doesn't matter what the mobile did. If the web just did output encoding properly, we were fine, right? So it doesn't mm. necessarily matter what that outside is. It's what data am I receiving and what am I doing with it? How do I handle that properly? Wicket, I'm going to give you, because we're somehow we've lost 40 minutes of time. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, gonna, we're having fun. Yeah, that's, that's what you want to call it. I'm going <laughs> to give you, I'm going to wave a magic wand. And uh, I'm just rehashing bad memories here. I'm going to give you a magic wand and you're going to wave it and you can change one thing about enterprise that has to do with software development and security, what's the one thing you change that sticks? One thing about, uh, so technically always in the enterprise. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, all right. Is it a person or process? Is it a, yeah, is it a person? I, 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 yeah, so that's where I'm, st I'm stuck. I'm struggling. I'm like, okay, like <laughs> we, we, we organized. I, I, I first, it's like, well, there's. I definitely am not going to fall down the tooling trap, right? It's like it's not a it's not a tool tool situation. Uh, it's not if you just rub some more, you know, um, I don't know, S bomb or Dast or Sast or whatever on it. It's like that's not going to make make it better. Right. Goes good um, with a magic wand, though. <laughs> you, you what'd you say? It goes good with a magic wand. Magic oh, yeah, magic. yeah, all those Boom. things. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's, uh, that's, um, so what's the thing that makes an impact? Messages. Yeah. What's the thing that makes an impact? I think having a, um, going through some of the, the process of like, oh, all right, here, here it is. Um, right, and maybe this go. is just to pick on, to pick on shift left. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, because, because under the aegis of shift left, People started taking the tools, you know, I guess it's funny, like we're all talking about, here's how stuff used to be. It's like people take those old tools that are just kind of built for like security, you know, pen testers or, or whatever, right? And then have kind of jammed them forward or shifted left or whatever direction, however, but put them in the hands of developers now, right? Without really kind of figuring out that the like needs to be reworked or changed or whatever. And so the process has been where like, uh, now all this, all these layers of, of testing have been shifted left. And so I was talking to a developer the other day. They're like, yeah, we, we don't like the secure SDLC, uh, to your, to y'all's point earlier. I mean, this is almost verbatim for what they're saying. And like, because like it takes a really long time. And so what, what is, what has now happened? What do they do? Right now they start batching their changes. Batching changes is always a bad thing that goes against what we have said in lean. That's what we say. Like agile would say that's bad. DevOps would say that's bad. Yet because security came to the party, 
we have now like reverted original developer behavior and like we've started to make everything like slow again and adding all these gates and guardrails and problems for them and so um i i believe a big change could be grokking that 110-1 situation and realizing security is is supposed to be part of like the value creation and like that piece and not as like a as a uh, nor a hammer or tool or something that's like you know actually destroying it from the inside so uh where you're you're kind of breaking down your your ability to do fast feature flow and you know you're, you're increasing cycle time like you need to be decreasing cycle time so i don't know maybe like adopting that maybe maybe it is the no DevSecOps, just do DevOps, go back to core principles, you know, figure that out and don't just sort of like, you know, lift and shift, but actually shift left in a, in a, in a real meaningful way. So I think, I think some of that is, uh, it's similar to what I say, what you're describing is, you know, trying to sit there and say security is a guide, right? You know, you got a guide, you got a hero, we're a guide. We're not the hero solving the problem. You know, we're not creating secure software. We're helping you create secure software. You know, yeah. so we got to get out of our own way. And I think, you know, one thing that that leads us to, as you were talking about that is, you know, the idea of why don't, like, how do we get the developers? And I always say developers, but I like to go with development team because it's a whole organization to build software. It's not just the developers. It's QA. It's the project management, putting them in the driver's seat of application security. Like we're here to sit there and help guide this, but you drive it. I want your input on the tool that we're going to use because I want to make sure it fits your processes. I want your input on, hey, how do we take the output from these tools and get it into whatever tool you need to be able to process those so that way you're not feeling overwhelmed or anything like that. Like when we start putting them in that driver's seat versus the way it currently is, right? Like security goes and picks the tool. They go pick the training. They go pick all this stuff. And then we just throw it over and say, hey, you got to do this. But we have no idea. I mean, I had training with some people, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, after you get to a certain point, it kind of loses the value right here and all this. And it's like, this is fantastic feedback. Like, if you don't tell me, I don't know. I'm assuming this is good. But, you know, we got to get to their point where it's like, hey, I need you to help draw. I'm going to help you project managed through this whole thing. And I'll tell you what tools work well and what don't, but you know, if we're the ones sitting there pushing everything in, we're never going to get past that hurdle. If we go say, look, this is, this is a requirement and it is saying it's a requirement, not security. Your group is saying, this is a requirement. We have to do this. How do we get you driving this? And we're here to support you and get you through it. But that's how we're going to get that change going through. I'm going to post something to you guys because maybe I thought I'd end the episode there, but I'm not going to because it's my my show and I can do whatever I want. Um, One one more. So we're we're talking a lot about um, tools not the problem, right? 110.1, okay. What is the fundamental like what's the best approach here because how do you how do you make so how i okay i'm trying to collect my thoughts rather than just throwing things out but back in the early 2007 2006 2005 i made security requirement at a fortune five okay for app that i made security requirement and they and they came back to me and said Great. 
define that requirement. And I said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I can give them a list of all things of things it's not supposed to do, but that list was not definitive. Well, it was definitive for that moment, but five seconds later, it was out of date. And an hour later and a week later and a month later and a year later, forget about it. It's not even useful anymore. How do you make security a requirement? And this is what this is the magic wand I would wave. How do you make security a requirement that makes it both achievable and meaningful? So you can't say you can't have security vulnerabilities because the hell does that even mean? Right. And that, and that thing that that changes and shifts. And you can't effectively say you can't effectively test for it in a complete. I'm going to step out here in, in, into the uh, onto the tracks for a moment. Maybe the train runs okay. me over, but okay, yeah. I, even when I did, I had a, I had somebody on my team that did static analysis, and I did the dynamic analysis stuff. Even on a good day, you do a pass at the application, and you'd get like seventy percent, eighty percent coverage, right, of the app. That's on a good day, and maybe you'd find like eight out of ten issues in that eighty percent coverage. Code bases have not shrunk. They've exploded. How do you, and even in the, like, even in microservices, they're not small. They're not 50 lines of code. They're 550, 500,000, 5 million lines of code, right? How do you make it meaningful to the organization when, if I'm in working for Acme, you know, Widget Corp, and they happen to have a application that they have to build, Hell, I just installed a light bulb that has a Wi-Fi and an entire API connected to it. If I'm the engineer on that, on the security side, and I say, guys, we can't ship this with security vulnerabilities, the developers go, okay, what does that mean? What is? What do you say to that? How do you make it meaningful and deterministic so you can give it a box and say it can't do X, Y, and Z when – because of the the way security vulnerabilities effectively are creative ways of using of making things something do it's not something is not supposed to right so how do you put a box around that that's what I've struggled my entire career on on the appsec side is how do you do that meaningfully because we can say oh just scan it all or do code reviews or pen tests or all of those things and you go great but is that going to be 100% for how long well, the, I think the thing around that, right, is one, requiring that your developers actually have security understanding, right? And that's not saying they're pen tester level, they're not security experts, but I should be able to go up to a developer and say, hey, what are the risks around working with XML? And what are some of the things that you should be doing if you're working with XML to make sure, kind of like the buffer overflow thing, right? A developer should understand that at a general level. So then if you take that and say, okay, we're building this light bulb, and it's going to be connected via Wi-Fi. I mean, security can weigh in. This is kind of like the threat modeling piece, right? They can weigh in and say, hey, yeah. here's the risk that we typically see around this. I'm not going to prescribe to you how to solve those risks. We can go through and say, here's some things that we know work from other people. And we can say, hey, we need to lock this down. Make sure you don't put a default password on there that is across all the systems. You can prescribe some of that. But the idea that AppSec is getting to the level to say, hey, your code should look exactly like this to not do that. That's what developers do. They solve problems. We just have to make sure that we've identified the problems that they can then solve. And if we can put that up front, the only problem is rarely do you get to be up front with 
a brand new project like a light bulb, right? It's, hey, we're adding these new features. But for the most part, and say a regular enterprise app, the features are adding, the stuff that they should know, they should be able to handle without any other interruption. Knowing how to deal with outputting coding to output data out to your system, that's easy stuff. How to call the database without being SQL injectable, that's pretty simple stuff. Like they should be able to understand that. So when you start getting to the high level risks of, okay, we don't want this, we put that out in front, it goes in the design, and then they go ahead and they start attacking it. The problem we see in all these AppSec programs is we split everything else, right? Oh, well, every pull request has to go through security for a code review. What? No. Even getting to the point of only the authentication ones, you're still, you're, you're a bump in that road that's going to slow that stuff down. But it comes back to how do we get the development teams having the security info they need to be able to do this stuff without constantly having, right? Like we need to get down to that 110-1 of they only need to come to me in security 1% of the time. Because they've they've gotten that understanding. You know, it's probably not the best analogy, but I say it all the time. <laughs> so I'm probably wrong for doing it. But I don't expect that I could become an electrician and not know building codes. Right? Like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to go run all the electricity from for some new building and then wait for the inspector to come in and say, oh, no, you did this all wrong. I expect I might have one or two violations because maybe I missed something. But I expect the electrician to know all those codes. I'm not rewiring that whole thing. And that's kind of how we treat security for the last 20 years is you, you, you don't need to know anything about it. You just build it and then we'll come in and test it and tell you everything you did wrong and you can go back and fix it. We, we wouldn't do that. So why do we do that here? Like we should expect some level from development teams to be able to handle that. Yeah, but, but then we change the building codes on them, right? Like, and that's the, that's the issue, right? It's like they, they, they're like, oh, well, the spec changes or whatever. But um, yeah. Because I think, the world is dynamic. But their languages yeah. are changing every day. I mean, how many people are switching from React to Vue after a month because they're like, oh, there's something new. You know, I mean, development world, things change all the time. They have to stay up to date with that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. To- yeah. To- I totally on that. I just think like security always gives this weird, we give a weird path, right? I think you're, your point of like testing at the end and kind of, you know, and, and then often some, well, not often, but uh, we'll inundate them with false positives sometimes, or we kind of like give them a bunch of stuff. that's like not actual, not useful. It doesn't speak their language. And they're like, what the heck is this? Like security, the, the one, you know, kind of came back at the hundred and it didn't, didn't go so well. Right. But um, I, I think that the model that I like is where you start considering like developers, the developer's role is to use like, the paved road or the, or the, 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 you know, the security path or what people have different names for them in different organizations. But like, we, we expect you kind of go through this process. The process itself will, will help kind of do some of the detection. Like you don't have to be, don't have to be, know how to run burp or any of this kind of stuff, right? Like the, the process does it for you in a sense. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think, right. develop, I think developers want to do the right thing, like you mentioned. I think they like using new technology. I think they um, they they do want you know their apps to be secure. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's up, up to the one to just be needed one percent of the time. I thought that was a really good good point, James. I, I think what I heard out of all of this, particularly this last part of this conversation from you guys, 
is that much like in any other piece of security, it's, it's really about making the effort, not getting the hundred percent. You're not going to get the hundred percent because there is no hundred percent. Oh yeah. There's there's an effort. Yeah. Right. That you, you, you measure the effort, not the end result. Yeah. I think is is that fair? Yeah. We suffer from like being completists. Like everything has to be perfect. Right. And like in, in this world, we just can't do that. That, That's it's impossibility. Well, I think it's yes. hard to measure the end result too, right? I mean, that's yeah. what is a, a successful end result. That's you know? that's my I mean, point exactly, yeah. right? Like you can't. But, but really... I had people ask me that. But I but back at that job where I, I led the program, people said, "Great, you tell me what I need to get to, and I'll get my team to get there." And I was like, "Okay, you can't have no critical vulnerabilities." They're like, "Great, give me the list of the things I can't have." And I'm like, "What?" But that's going to change. They're like, "Well, you can't hold me to a standard that keeps changing." And and to some extent, that's fair. That's like saying the building codes change in the middle of building the house, and suddenly you can't. You have to have a fire. You know, you have to have a sprinkler uh, on on every vertical wall, not every, not on every ceiling. You're like, but I've already planned the house, put the pipe in. They're like, too bad, got to change it. But your process, but you, but your processes aren't changing, right? And I don't want to use the word process there, but. You know, if I sit there and say, listen, developers, they already do code review. That code review should include them reviewing security aspects of that code. A lot of times they do not do that, right? They're looking at, does it yeah. meet the formatting? Did it use the naming yep. conventions that we use? But if you get to the habit of, hey, listen, when we do a peer code review, we're also looking at this from a security perspective. Now, does the security perspective change over time? Yes, right? We went from buffer overflows to... SQL injection or server-side request for it, those change. But if you've got that built up, that that's part of what we do. And yes, the things we look for are gonna change maybe over time. And as application security, we're able to help be on the front edge of that and say, hey, here's all the new trending stuff. How do we now package this up and get this over to the team? So that way, hey guys, we really start looking at this because this is the new great thing that's killing us in our platform. Not don't go show me something about PHP if I'm a duo.net. Our language suffering from this, like a new exploit just came out. We need to be on the lookout for this. You pass that to them. It just falls in line with the stuff that they're doing. It's not checklist of walking down. Oh, I checked for this, this, and this. But they build that knowledge and it's not how to exploit it 18 different ways and how to fire up Metasploit. It's, wow, outputting coding, I should have done this. Or I'm going to parse XML. I need to make sure that I disable DTD processing on my XML parser. Now, if that's done by default, great. We know that it's in a knowledge base. If it's not, this is how it should look, but I'm looking for that. Now, it's more about that process. It's less about what the exact vulnerability is. Yeah, okay. So that confirms that what I was thinking is, if it's if it's one thing, I think I can I can say that I've, my, my one piece of wisdom that's that, that uh, throughout the years of doing this is that's, you're really measuring the effort and you're, there's no way to measure the end. People have tried to measure the end result for years, right? We've got all kinds of metrics on how many criticals does this app have? You should always have zero. You're like, that's nonsense. <laughs> that's not a thing. All right. Well, and those but numbers I, are I, hard I, too, well, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, but to further this analogy, just one, one more one more click here. Right? It's like, we, we can't say like, uh, okay, you gotta be in line with all new build, building codes, right? But we could say, well, before you, you like one thing you have to do is you have to have the inspector come out, look at your look at your building, and say all's good, right? That inspector is a point in time thing. 
problem is we don't have enough inspectors, right? So we got to, we got to automate these tools so that there is that pro- So it is a process thing, right? Where you're like saying, Hey, you got to use the, the paved road or the whatever testing thing. And like, cause you, it's, it should be sort of that idea. Like we had with like DevOps, it's like you write it, you run it. It's like you write it, you run it, you secure it. It's all part of just like, you know, just like you needed ops to, to be part of development cycle. Security has got to be a part of that too. And it's got to be a part of that, how you, how you deliver, deliver your product. And that, it's got to be built in, um, but we just got to as security people. We got to do it. Not so hatefully like we've been doing. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. And that is an hour. All right. Um, <laughs> that was fast. James and James guys. That was awesome. Thank you. I, 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 I'm glad we kind of, we didn't kill the philosophical piece at the end here. I'm glad we, we talked through that. Cause I think that makes me feel a little bit better about the journey. Right. It's, it's really, it's really about that journey. And folks, if you're listening and, you, and you're running AppSec teams or, um, this is something that's a passion of yours or a job of yours. I don't have to be a passion, but if it's a job of yours. I would challenge you to, uh, while you're, while you're trying to figure out how to measure effectiveness, uh, measure the effort that's being made, where it's being made and how, how serious it is versus how many criticals you found during your pen test. Cause I think the former matters a lot more than the latter. You guys agree. Yep. All right. There, yeah. All right. Well, folks, uh, James, James, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining. Uh, Wicket, thanks for being on the show again. Um, I hope to have you back soon. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Certainly not. However, the hell have ever many episodes been since the last one? It's, it's been, I don't know how much it's been. It's been too long. Oh, we, need, um, we need a Delta. I need at least, it needs to be less than more than half, less than half of that. So less than half. All right. I'm in. Okay. I'm, uh, I, w- I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, I was, I was this is, we'll bring you back after, but I was talking to um, uh, Jeff Williams about this whole S bomb transparency thing. And we, we seem to be at odds. So I'm going to have him on the show shortly and we'll, we'll talk about that. And you can come back and tell me why, why I'm right. Right. And he's wrong uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> or the other way around <laughs> or we're both wrong. Who knows? All right. That's enough of that. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This has been another hopefully informative edition of the down to security rabbit hole podcast covering a, a uh, very wide swath of AppSec uh, aspects uh, in, in a thorny as hell topic that we clearly haven't solved and, and we're getting better at. Um, we got turned into a new, but we are getting better. Uh, and on that note, uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys another time, another place on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Cue music. Bye-bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. 